you're tuned in to the Restaurant Rockstars Podcast. Powerful ideas to rock your restaurant. Here's your host, Roger Bodwin. Hey guys, Fee and I are back talking today about entertainment. You know, where the ambiance itself is a huge draw besides the menu. Now everyone has a favorite place they go, and a big reason is the vibe. How the place makes you feel, am I right? One of my favorite concepts right now is called Classic Rock Coffee Company. They're opening up new locations across the country and literally around the world. So on top of great coffee and really good food, the draw for me is classic rock music and memorabilia. So they got music videos playing all the time, the tables are actually drum kits, there's guitars all over the walls, and just a really, really cool vibe. So you get the idea, it's about the vibe. Now the challenge in this business is to stay up to the minute with our customers and keep them coming back for more. On the flip side, there's also many well-known chain operations that have followed this entertainment trend, but are now working harder than ever to keep up head of consumer tastes. Consumer tastes are constantly shifting and rising costs and labor challenges and all the other stuff. I could go on and on. And of course, profits, you know, staying ahead of profits and making sure that doesn't slip. But today we're going to tell you about a super hot concept that's defying the odds of success in this hugely challenging and competitive business on a grandiose scale. And you'll find out what I mean by that. You know, it really doesn't matter if you run a food truck, a kiosk, a quick serve place, sit down, full serve restaurant, or anything in between. I don't need to tell you, competition is fierce, innovation rules, and it certainly doesn't hurt to have a strong appeal to a large cross-section of demographic and audience. Yeah, it's okay to have different demographics for different times of the day. It's only smart. I think you're going to find your gears turning in this episode with new ideas for your place. So we're really excited to bring you today's episode sponsored by Cabbage. It's very relevant because you may want to think about creating some new excitement and experiences in your own place. Restaurants are super competitive business, and if you're anything like me, you see opportunity all around. And you're never satisfied with what's good enough. So you constantly want to improve your operation. You might see a way to increase sales or expand the business to get a big return on investment. Only problem is you need cash to invest and you need it now. What's the next issue? You don't have time to put your financials together and then wait for a committee to decide if and when you get your money. So here's a solution. It's called Cabbage. Cabbage gives small businesses like yours access to a line of credit up to $250,000. You apply online and get an immediate decision. Cabbage is a line of credit so you can request the exact amount you need. You never have to reapply for more money, and you only pay for the cash you use. Cabbage is A-plus rated by the Better Business Bureau, and they've helped more than 130,000 businesses in literally every industry, including lots of restaurants just like yours, with over $4 billion in funding. Cabbage was also named a Forbes Top 100 company twice in a row, so check it out. If you need quick cash, go to cabbage.com slash restaurantrockstars. And just for listening to this episode, you'll get a $50 gift card from Cabbage when you qualify. Again, that's Cabbage, and it's with a K, not a C, cabbage.com slash restaurant rockstars. Take a look at Cabbage today, qualify, and get your money fast, in addition to the gift card. The line of credit is subject to credit approval, so see terms and conditions. 
All Cabbage business loans are issued by Celtic Bank, a Utah Chartered Industrial Bank member FDIC. Now on to the episode about Eatertainment. Welcome back everyone to the Restaurant Rockstars podcast. Glad you're here. Um, once again joined by my lovely wife and business partner Thea. Hey Thea. Hey. So let's change the format a little bit. Before we get into the meat of today's episode, which I'm really excited to talk about, there was a recent headline in Nation's Restaurant News that caught our attention. What was that headline? Chipotle must pay fired manager nearly $8 million. $8 million. Wow. Damages to an employee. Right. Oh my gosh. Well, apparently it says, because I mean, that's a huge amount. This was a former manager who was on leave for a work-related injury, mm-hmm. which we know that happens yeah. a lot in the restaurant industry. Right, workers' complaint. Yep, she was on leave with a carpal tunnel, I think. And then while she was on leave, they fired her, stating um, that she, this is according to, yeah, Nation's Restaurant News and the Fresno Bee, <laughs> um, states that she was fired with really no proof. It looks like they fired her stating that she had been stealing money, but then all the video... Um, was erased, texts were erased. So I don't, um, I, I, I guess what her lawyer is stating is that they s- sort of fired her um, wrongfully and then tried to cover it up by erasing everything. So, well, that yeah. sounds really kind of weird because, first of all, the claim that the company has against the employee was she was stealing before she actually left on medical leave. Is yeah. that what you're getting from this? Right. Exactly. And then it sort of sounds like Uh then she went on leave and then they discovered it. Um, But I do think it's challenging when people go on leave, particularly if they're out for a long period of time. That definitely puts a strain on any business. I've seen it in healthcare, in the restaurant business. So I don't think it's unheard of that a company, if someone's out for an extended period of time, that they're like, we just need to hire somebody. But they can't. You know, legally, they can't... when but somebody's got to run calm, the show, right? She was to, the GM. She was the GM, but they have to save her her job. Yeah. She can't be fired for that. So they need a temporary I mean, I'm not GM. An HR expert of or course. anything. But yeah, it says in addition to taping over the video evidence, they the um the attorney told the jury that Chipotle management deleted text messages and lost notes about the firing. So obviously They've appealed it, mm-hmm. so we'll see where that lands. But that could be make it or break it oh, for yeah. a restaurant. That Especially, kind of money. well, a smaller business could never absorb. I mean, that would put even a fraction of that fine would put a small business out of business really quick. So, what would you recommend? Obviously, I think n- notes. I mean, this is indicating that the video, the text, the notes, everything seems to be missing. Um, but what should the average restaurant owner have for notes around something like that to protect themselves? Well, you know, it really comes down to documentation, and that is the key word. And every single employee that is hired should have a file that obviously has their original application, the date they were hired, and all the basics. But then it comes down to a policies and procedures manual, which should be shared with every new employee, and have consistent regular procedures with each that outlines how disciplinary procedures are handled. And I know in our experience in the past, we always would document, 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 meaning every single infraction, no matter how small, had to be in writing just to prove that if there was something significant enough, it wasn't just a a little one-minute reprimand. It was literally, okay, this is something that doesn't go against, that goes against our policies and procedures. You need to recognize the fact, if you agree to it, 
And, you know, we would document what the incident was right. on paper, and then there was a place for the manager to sign as well as the employee to sign. And I think you got, for various infractions, it was basically three chances that it, it all went into your file. So they were all written, or was it like, here's your verbal, you get one verbal? It started with a verbal, written. but then if that, you know, infraction continued, then it turned into a, a written one. And it all is based on the severity of, of the episode. If someone is doing something dangerous and, uh, you know, on purpose or hazardous that could affect the safety of a guest or another employee, I mean, those were more serious, you know, infractions. And those things were literally written up and it was kept in the file. And, you know, this was rare. I mean, we built a dream team staff of people, but we kept those same procedures. Even if you'd worked for us for 18 years, we had to maintain consistency with someone that was just hired last week. Right, because you obviously have had to fire people. We have fired people. We've had lawsuits. Did you ever, ever have any blowback from that where someone thought they were un... Fairly terminated? Yeah. Yeah, terminated. yeah. In fact, we had to go to the labor board. Every state has a labor board or a labor commission. And there, and every state varies by what the what their policies are for if you can terminate people with or without cause. Some states have a, you know, employee at will where a person can leave and a person can be fired for whatever reason. And that's just the way it is. So every state is different, but yeah, I mean, pretty much there was a file for everybody. We had to go before the labor board, and that documentation in one case where there was a potential lawsuit definitely saved us. Because it begins with the labor board. A formal complaint is put in, and then you have to appear. It's almost like a mini court situation where the employee pleads their case before the labor board, and the employer pleads their case, and then the committee obviously decides. And if there's a fine involved or any of that kind of stuff, if your licenses are, are coming into question, question, all that sort of thing. Right. So the documentation clearly, you know, saved us because we documented to the T and made sure we had sign off by the employee. And that's, right. that was very important. Because I mean, workers comp is a big deal in the restaurant industry mm -hmm. oh, because yeah. people have had some pretty severe, I mean, employees have had severe injuries, not in our experience personally, yes. right? But we've read plenty of headlines of cooks being scalded awfully in the kitchen or you know, servers slipping and becoming significantly injured. And sometimes it's life altering. Right. But it's not always legitimate. I mean, sometimes so these true. are fabricated claims just because the person doesn't want to work and they want to collect the workers' comp right. insurance. And that's where things get really, really sticky. And that's where lawyers get involved. And it but gets investigated. It really comes down to, yeah, documentation, whether that's video documentation or written documentation, combination of all those things. I mean, it just protects you. That's all. Right. As long and I as think it's you consistent. I think it's always good to assume the good in people, assume that the mm -hmm. injury is legitimate, especially well, sure. um, I think often there's witnesses and that sort of thing. But yeah, it's interesting with this. It'll be interesting to follow this article to see how that plays out and if the appeal holds up. Um, it is kind of odd that everything got deleted and is missing, um, but that also is a huge settlement. I know it is. For well, a firing. The first step that this article doesn't really mention is whenever there's an incident, when someone literally gets hurt on the job, as soon as it's reported to management or the ownership of the place, then you have literally, I don't know, 24 hours or less, that you literally have to fill out a report with your insurance company for the workers' comp claim. Right. And well, it document sounds like it all with of medical that, bills, all that sort of thing. Was that Well, it sounds it? like all of that was fine. She yeah. went out on medical leave. I know, um, for the... carpal tunnel, but now they were saying, oh, while she was out, they were saying, oh, now we've caught you stealing, so we're, now you're fired. 
said that she wasn't able to come back after her recovery. Where was the proof of the theft, you know? And well, obviously that's, that's where the case fell apart, yeah. especially when there's tampering of evidence and all that other kind of stuff. That's what makes it interesting. Right. But I guess it's just, you know, um, word to the wise, right? If you're an operator, this stuff happens. The unexpected is around the next corner. So you got to protect yourself and documentation and all that is the way to go. Yeah. Well, we'll follow that. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway, so today's episode... Yeah, today's episode is centered around a word, eatertainment. Not entertainment, but eatertainment. Yeah, and the two are sort of combined. So eatertainment is really all about restaurants that create an ambiance or a vibe that is as important as the food itself, or in some cases more important, where the ambiance is the draw. And I, I really think it was probably started by Hard Rock Cafe. That was one of my favorite chains back in the day, and I haven't been in a long, long time, but I've been in multiple locations, London, New York, Los Angeles, that kind of thing. And for me, the draw was classic rock music because I still like classic rock. And they filled this place. Every location around the world was filled with literally rock star memorabilia, Elvis's jumpsuit, you name it. Old guitars that uh, you know famous musicians actually played, that kind of thing. So that's where the term really was coined. And then there's been lots and lots of international and national chains that have sort of taken the vibe and made it the draw. So the customers come in. And some of them have gone awry with, you know, where food quality has slipped or changing consumer taste because these concepts were just too, too trendy. So, right. Or thus, we discussed last week yeah. the Mexican restaurant that was sort of had an element of that, of entertainment, where we focused so much on the ambiance and didn't focus enough mm -hmm. on the food. And yeah. I think a lot of chains have done that too. Well, last week's episode was about concepts and themes and those restaurants that do it well and, and don't. So I'm kind of interested to tell you about, I was reading an Inc. Magazine article about a really successful company and these restaurants are called Punch Bowl Social. Mm -hmm. And I read it in Inc. Magazine. It's not a new article. It was probably about a year ago, but I just came across it again and reread it. And that led me to the website of this company and I started seeing how fast they're expanding and how truly different they are in their approach to entertainment than some of these past chains that have not, you know, continued their successes. What makes them different? Well, so many things. So let's focus on the generation today. A, a majority of their employees are millennials, but then again, their customer, their target customers are also millennials. That's where okay. it starts. All right. So millennials are kind of that up-to-the-minute generation. They're super tech-savvy. They're on their devices all the time, and they're constantly looking for new experiences. So Punchbowl... One of the things that really strikes me is their concept is centered around very, very large buildings. Their spaces are huge. Like I how, think, how big? Well, 20,000 square feet and up. Wow. Right? Which is... Yeah, that's huge. So... Grandiose. Are they building those buildings or are they taking over department stores that have gone out of business type thing? Combination. Yeah, they're not building locations, but they're building out old architecture. Tech architecturally significant spaces. Like there's a location in San Diego that's a historic boxing arena where really famous fighters used to box. Um, they've taken over a location at the former Denver Stapleton Airport, which is sort of a whole airport location. Uh, one of their newest ones is in Brooklyn, New York, which is a giant warehouse space. And when you go to the website and you see the vibe of it, the whole exterior just looks like it's in this urban neighborhood and the building is covered with graffiti. Wow. You know? So how do you fill twenty or 30,000 
square feet. I mean, that's enormous. It is definitely, yeah. Twenty to 30,000 square feet is like staggering. I mean, our old place was 8,000 square feet. So this is three times the size of our old place. And we had 300 seats. So the interesting thing is, one, they have a James Beard award-winning chef. Okay, which is yeah. really, really, I mean, Jane, everyone's heard of, of that award. It's a really prestigious award, and any chef that's won that is obviously at the upper echelon of the business. So he's the corporate, corporate, the head, corporate chef. head chef exactly. that is helping design the restaurant menus for all the locations. And they're all different, too. Uh, their flagship location is in downtown Denver, and, you know, they're really targeting urban locations that have a large um, millennial population. Lots of young people surrounding downtown areas and I'll tell you the draw for that in a minute. But they also want professionals for lunch and they've been really successful in capturing lots of different demographics for different day parts. And on weekend afternoons versus nighttime this business versus brunch versus you know midweek lunches, that kind of thing. So they're trying to fill those all, fill up the, all of their times. I mean we get a lot of questions and people writing in saying my biggest challenge is that I have, you know, mm -hmm. X and such really slow days or slow hours right. of the day. Yes. And how do I fill that? If my staff is going to be there and my bills are going to be there, how do I fill up all of those days and all of those times of the day? So it sounds like they're targeting different demographics for that. For and multiple that. draws. Okay. So let's go back to the millennial concept. We talked about millennials looking for experiences. So how do you fill a 20 or 30,000 square foot space? Multiple rooms that have different activities. So bowling would be one. They have a complete bowling alley in their facilities. And then what's really interesting is the service aspect of moving from room to room where you have a bowling alley in one room, you have a bocce court in another, a karaoke lounge in another space. They have a complete huge arcade with those vintage arcade games like Ms. Pac-Man and all that kind of stuff. And maybe badminton and ping pong tables all over the place. So you got multiple rooms and you can literally walk with your group from room to room and get served by the same service team. So you're shadowed with your group by up to three service people that just kind of follow you on your journey where you spend time playing bowling and then you move on to karaoke and then you move on to ping pong. You'll be there for hours. Well, that's the point. The point right. is, is they're keeping people longer and it's all about lingering by offering multiple experiences in these huge venues. And then the variety of the menu, which we talked about the chef, he's put out he's put out something for everyone. So that's not to say that all the food is five-star fine dining food, although some of it is and can be. But the Denver flagship location, when you walk in the door, they've got a diner there serving, serving diner food. And uh, chicken and waffles is on the menu. Right. Right? Yeah. And then the bar menu, the beverage menu, is it's not all alcoholic. They've got fresh squeezed juices, like there's an apple beet carrot juice that's fresh squeezed. Or you can get high-end champagne and pay a lot of money for a, uh, an expensive champagne. Maybe there's flights of tequilas um, right down to PBR in a 16-ounce can, which we can appreciate as well. Wow. So there's variety in your experiences, there's variety in the menu, and there's a variety in you know all the activities as you go around from room to room. And so far, the, the article in Inc. reports that their square footage is over $350 revenue per square foot, which is just huge. So wow. these places are bringing in seven, eight, ten million million a year and more. And they seem to be growing very, very rapidly. So, Do you know, are the activities a pay for activity or is it just the food? 
That's a really good question. You know, the article did not say that, but I'm assuming that those are additional profit centers and that's how mm -hmm. I would design it if, it if it were my place. Right. So I'm pretty sure that, you know, you have to pay for certain activities as if you were just going to a bowling alley. And the article went on to say that they're, they're making great pains not to be trendy and not to have their decor become quickly dated. Unlike maybe, well, we talked about this other concept, right? I think it was called Medieval Manor. Remember right, that place? Yeah, yeah. Well, I was just thinking that there, that's sort of the next iteration of those Medieval Manor dinners and the right. mystery murder dinners. And, yeah. but, Dinner theater that our parents yeah. may have gone to. Which was still a bit passive because yeah. although it was super entertaining, I mean, I feel like there's the level of like Hard Rock Cafe where you are looking at things on the wall. Yeah, you get up, you, you walk around, right. you sit at your table, you eat, that sort of thing. And then you have the mystery dinners mm -hmm. or the medieval dinners where you're actually sort of watching a show and eating, which is Correct. a bit more... You're not moving. You're right. in a sedentary and you finish your meal and you kind of move on. But you're entertained the whole time. But you're entertained the whole time. And, now and a lot of the concept, movie theaters, too, are serving full dinners. You know, you can go now to several different movie theaters and sit at a table or in a comfy lounger and get a meal with your movie. Um, but now this is you're actually getting up and being active, active. And, and, and doing a number of the whole things. time. Yeah. yeah. So, right. That's very interesting. You're shadowed by a team of servers. They follow you wherever you go and they encourage you to just have a good time in all these different rooms. And the place is filling itself multiple day parts where midweek lunches, they got professional people from the downtown area that get out of the cubbies. And then they're doing tween and birthday parties and weekend afternoons. And then it's all about millennials every night of the week. After work, you want to let your hair down and just... And that's another interesting point. They have a unique philosophy about their staff. I mentioned the staff are millennials, but they encourage them to be unique personalities. And whoever they are, it's, it's celebrated. Let's it shine through. Yeah. And, you know, they encourage piercings and tattoos and you know, every colored hair under the rainbow. And it really doesn't matter. They just want people to be authentic in themselves. And they find that the customers appreciate that because the customers mirror the staff and vice versa in many cases. Sure. Well, I don't think you can beat authenticity when someone's allowed to be themselves. It's right. Yeah. So the entrepreneur is fascinating. Um, and he started multiple concepts, high-end concepts, and those that have really flown high and some that didn't work out so well. And, you know, typical story, but this was the brainchild and this is the latest. And right now they've got uh, 13 existing locations all in major cities. But what I found interesting on the website is they're opening up 10 more. So these are really, really successful concepts. And they maintain the architectural details of these old historic spaces, which are classic, right? It's timeless. It's not going to become dated. And then they're doing everything they can just to stay relevant up to the minute and provide nonstop fun and entertainment with great food and great music and great beverages. It sounds so great. I would love to have him on the podcast. The I've actually reached out. Oh, good. And I'm hoping because that we have a lot of unanswered questions right. here. Right. There's like so many <laughs> questions. When you just knowing how hard it is to run a restaurant exactly. of average size mm -hmm. with an average amount of staff members, it's kind of mind-boggling to think about tw the amount of staff it would take to fill 20 to 30,000 mm, square feet. I know feet. it's true. And and the n the number of customer service issues and yeah. just all of it the the whole infrastructure of it is just I just have so many questions. Well, they must have a dream team staff. Yeah, you know that was really the key to us to to maintain longevity and lower turnover. And we had so much fun in our places. You can just tell that a place like this is just super fun. 
and the chemistry of the staff becomes something really, really powerful. And people don't want to leave a job that's lucrative and fun and the customers are having fun and all that kind of stuff. So that's probably part of the formula. But we'll ask that question. And the other thing that strikes me about this concept, it seems like it might be the kind of concept that you could go to several times a week. Unlike mm-hmm. right. the, murdery mystery, the murder mystery dinners or the uh, medieval dinners, that is probably a one and done. It's an event. Maybe you go twice in your life. Every once in a that. while, you know, but the whole point is they want to get these people back several days a week because that's what people do. Millennials are out all the time looking for experiences. They just want to make sure that this is your your place, your clubhouse, your... And they're building affinity with that target market. Right. Do they have a mug club? Uh, We need to ask that question because they should have a mug club. I'm glad you brought that up because that's a new product that we're launching now, which is a huge... It's in the works. ...marketing idea. I would say we're a few... Maybe a month out from launching. Yeah. yeah, so stay tuned on that. I mean, if you have a bar, large or small, doesn't matter. But here's an opportunity that generates huge cash for you. It generates repeat business. And we can walk you through step-by-step step on how to start a super powerful mug club that, well, your customers will become your best marketers with this one idea. Well, and that, again, looping back to the folks that are writing us wondering how they can fill their seats on you know, right. midweek uh-huh. nights or whatnot. Exactly. A mug club is a great way to do it that really because is. people want to go where uh-huh. their mug is. They they absolutely do. And it becomes their clubhouse for sure. And they bring all their friends and then they buy their meals and it was a win-win. How much would you say a season you made on your mug, not on the food yeah. or the drink, but on right. just the mug club membership fees? Well, upfront cash, I mean, well, this is huge. We started our mug club with 144 mugs because that's the cheapest way to buy mugs and a gross. But literally within two weeks, I'd say we sold those 144 mugs. We charged $50 membership for every single mug, which was renewable on an annual basis. But at the height of our club, before we sold our restaurants, we had 850 members that each paid $50 every single year. So that's upwards of $40,000 in cash that just came in. And the club was fully sponsored, so and this all the was only, elements. Well, and it was only seasonal. Right, we so were four months a year. So they paid $50 a year $50 just for, for the winter. for four months season. For a four-month season. And that's why some places can charge $100 or more if you're open 365 or, or a full year. Right. So therein lies the opportunity. So you touched on it briefly. You can bring in huge cash just by selling memberships. And the key to doing that is providing tons of value added. Right, and we and, talk about... And the course will explain all what all that. that value is. But then the point you touched on was now you've got people coming in and your repeat business is in your place more often buying food and buying drinks several times a week. So your revenues are going up on top of the upfront cash. And the staff get to know, you know, it's a great relationship between the staff and the customer because they're there so often. Mm -hmm. And then your customers, again, become your best marketers because they're having so much fun in your place. They're telling everyone that they know and suddenly you're building an army of followers and they're on social media posting all the fun they're having in your place. And it's just, it's a win, win, win. It's just a huge idea. Yeah. And we're going to teach you how to do it. We are. Yeah, that's exciting. I've been wanting to launch that product for a while because it's, of all the different marketing ideas, I think it answers a lot of those questions and challenges that people write in about. Definitely. So So we're excited. We're launching that product soon. So I can't wait to see if you can get that founder. Yeah, I, I should know soon. I think their on. PR office is on it. And they actually acknowledged the fact that I contacted them and they said they'd be in touch. So Right. So if anybody out there knows yeah. or has an in with them. Punchbowl social. <laughs> send them our way because we have a lot of questions and we're impressed with the marketing.
Yeah, and I think there's just a lot of takeaways from that whole business model in and of itself. And next time we're on a trip, since they don't have a location near us. We're going to go. We're going to go. We got to check it out. Well, thanks for listening, folks. That was the Restaurant Rockstars podcast, and we'll see you again. Take care, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Restaurant Rockstars podcast. For lots of great resources, head over to restaurantrockstars.com. And while you're there, download a copy of the book, Rock Your Restaurant. It's a game changer. See you next time.